in a family, there's always stuff happening, right? There's always somebody got news. I've only got four kids, and somebody's always coming home with new news of a new dance recital or a change of schedule at work and blah, blah, blah. So there's always stuff happening. So we just want to make sure the family's aware of what's going on. Today's our barbecue potluck and baptism. Woo! Every year at the end of summer... I don't want to say it out loud because it means it's really here. At the end of summer, we have a, a time of fellowship. This year, we're doing it again at Whispering Pines, um, and we're doing a baptism at the same time. And so we've been talking about that, and we're saying it's right after church, which is correct, but it's going to take some time to move stuff and get set up. We're going to plan the baptism for noon. As soon as church is over, we're going to need some help to load some chairs and some tables and get them over to Whispering Pines and set up. And, and uh, Ryan is going to be in charge of cooking the food. Um, and we've got like some 70 hamburgers and 50 hot dogs, so I think we have enough food for us. Bring a side, some chips, a drink, something to share. If you didn't bring anything, you just come anyways. We're just going to, you know, Anthony made like nine pounds of, of penne pasta. He just went crazy. He likes to cook in bulk. And so, and then, you know, I saw it. So there's, there's going to be food. We'll just come. But um, if you need to go home and, and you know, change uh, or, or get your stuff, come on back as soon as you can. But don't miss the baptism. Try to get there at noon. Well, the plan is to do the baptism about noon. As soon as the baptism is done, I'm thinking the food will be coming off and be ready. And so we'll grab our plates and we'll eat and just spend the day up there. I asked this last week, but in case there's somebody new, does anyone live in Whispering Pines besides Debbie? Okay. All right. We, we only get four passes for the pool. And, um, and so we're going to just try to share them. They, you know, yeah, yeah, so, so that was just, we know some other people, we were going to borrow their passes, and they made it clear that unless they actually lived there and were part of our church, we couldn't do that. So if you have kids, you can help, help me by explaining that we're just going to take turns. So I'm thinking we'll, let, we'll let, let each group of kids swim for like 20 minutes, pull those four out, put four more in. And uh, anyway, so that's what we're going to do on that. But we're going to have lots of food. We're going to put some, some – if you have any yard games, I think they have uh, horseshoes out there. I don't know if there's sho- – are there shoes out there too? So if you've got a pair of set of shoes, bring them, you know, a couple yard games. We'll just have some fun and fellowship. Did anyone else hear the rain this morning? I woke up really early, and I'm like, is it really raining? And it lasted about 15 or 20 seconds, and, and it was over. I'm like, okay, um, I think we're safe. But so, so all that, um, th- th- so right after church, we're going to get ready. Uh, if, if you've got a truck, we might need another truck to load some chairs and tables in, and we'll go over there. If you are healthy, we're, we're at Whispering Pines for the, 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 yard, or the barbecue. We do so many yard sales around here. I just call everything a yard sale um, for the barbecue. If you're, if you're relatively healthy um, and, and don't mind walking, I ask you to park on the street um, and save the inside parking real close to the park for those who, who have a trouble walking for whatever reason because they're doing a lot of construction apparently in the park and the parking is limited. So, um, you know, just, just park out on the street and then you can walk to the gate. That's it. While we're there, as you see in your bulletin, it'll be a great time to hug a neck and say goodbye to, or say hello to everyone and say goodbye to people like Karen Cumberland, who will be leaving next Sunday as her last Sunday with us. And um, I think she's coming even though she's in the midst of, of packing. Yeah, 
Yeah, um, she is moving. The, she and Gail, her husband, are moving their whole life and their whole existence up to Sparks, Nevada. And there must be family up there, because otherwise, why would you move to Sparks, Nevada, right? And she's going to go be with her family. Karen's been a part of this congregation 13 years, something like at least. And and I believe she came to faith. Um, here, here's a great thing: you got a neighbor, you invite him to church. This is what happens. They get saved, they join the church, and they lead everything in the church. You know, she's been a part of our nursery, she's been on our board, she's just a, a servant, but she came to Christ through her relationship with her neighbor, Jolene, right? And, and so we're going to miss her, uh, so hug her. Brian next week is his last Sunday. He's going back to the mission field. Um, for, he'll be gone for two to three months this time, and depending on how that goes, he may barely come back and then go permanently we just don't know what's going on and so uh, this sunday and next sunday is his last sunday in the bulletin you also maybe saw that debbie bought her on and she's here today but uh, there she's in the back she is going to be our new kid zone coordinator so would you just stand up oh you are standing i'm just kidding pray for her you know, we're, we're throwing her in with the wolves. Um, she's been a teacher already for, for quite a while, but be praying for her and also be praying how you can help and serve the church. We're going to talk a lot about that next week, but there's just so many areas. We're growing. We're growing. God is doing great things because of that. Um, you know, we've, we've, we've got uh, more children, and we're running out of duct tape. And so um, you may have to come and start watching the kids with us, but... Um, Anyway, so that's, that's a couple of the, the announcements. Steps class, I encourage you if, if, you're, if, you, if you've been c- attending the church and this is your home, you feel like this is your home, I really encourage you to attend the Steps class. Uh, it's, it's the first step. Um, we have four of them. And the first, this one is, is um, understanding our salvation and baptism, the basics of our faith and church membership. And then we go on the second class we're going to do in October um, or November is, is maturity. Then the third class is ministry. And then the fourth class we do is find, helping you find your mission in the world. So start with this one. Come and find out what Christian Center is about and how you can be a part. That's on September 23rd, Saturday, from 9 to 2. We might get done a little early, but it's, it takes a few hours. We've, we found that it's better to do it one long day than four short days. It's just better on schedule. So plan the day to spend with us. We'll feed you some snacks in the morning and a, and a lunch. Um, and we'll get to know one another and put that on your calendar. Right. I told you, this is family stuff. We just got to talk about everything in the family. Is that it? Forget anything? Okay, always look around at all the people who have other announcements. It's not too late to be baptized. If you're finding out there's a baptism, come and see me after church, and, and uh, you can be baptized today at 12, at 12. The one requirement is that you have come to faith in Jesus Christ and you're a believer, and you're just ready to commit everything and, and be baptized, so you can do that. Amen. Somebody actually said we'd probably get out early because we have a barbecue. <laughs> I'll do my best. I'll do my best. No. So, anyways. I believe in the Word. I believe that the, the, the Word of God is what gives us uh, everything we need to know about God. It gives us everything we need to know how to live in this, in this world, and we can't deviate 
from the Word of God. This morning, as we get into the message, we're going to review. We're in the book of 1 Peter. Turn over to 1 Peter, chapter 2. We're going to go and review a little bit of what we've talked about so far. And then we're going to hit a passage in chapter 2 that, that we're going to barely uh, touch the surface on. And I want to encourage you that, that to, to just don't let the enemy come in and, uh, and say, you know, just lead us off. Because it, this is a debated and mi- misunderstood passage. But it's part of some other passages. And over the next few weeks to a month as we finish up this section, we're going to put it all together and understand what God is saying. I'm going to do my best to get a good, a short picture of the passages today. But first, we're going to put up a little thing in here. First Peter chapter 1. Here's a little review. Look at, oh, isn't that nice? I'm going to have to turn on because I lost my other two pages. I've only got one of them. So in First Peter, starting at the very beginning, we've learned a few things. We're going to review, but let's pray. Again, Father, this time in the Word, we need your anointing and your touch. God, I do pray that we would um, not misunderstand the Scriptures, but we would be led by them. This morning as we go through, I pray that we are encouraged in our faith, that we're reminded of all that you've done, all that you've said to us through your Word, and specifically in First Peter this morning. Um, God, challenge us to live according to your Word, to be people uh, of the Word, Christians who are recognized for their good deeds and for their love for you and their love for one another. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. First Peter 1, we learned a few things. One of the things we learned, and it was one of the very first things, is we're pilgrims. We're sojourners. And that means that this world is not our home that we're just visiting through here. It's touched about a few, a few times in the book of 1 Peter. As Christians, the moment we accept Christ, our citizenship is in heaven. And we kind of are living here, so we live according to the rules and laws here. I was thinking about that. I said, does that make us illegal immigrants here? And I thought, well, no, we're not illegal. We're just immigrants. And right there, we could start a whole discussion, right? We are immigrants. Okay, we, we understand immigration and illegal immigration, and we're not going to get political today, though we're talking about the government. We will be, but we're talking about the biblical view of that. Immigration. I think most of us would say, we love immigration as long as they f- people follow the laws of the land. Right? They're here, they're part of the society, and they live according to the laws of the land. Guess what? We're immigrants. We're going to get into that in this message. We're, our citizenship is in heaven, but sometimes we follow the laws of this land, but our greater citizenship is heaven, and we're just pilgrims passing through here. What happened to us? We were begotten again. That means we were born again to a living hope. Born again to a living hope. That means that we actually have a hope beyond this world. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do a jig. Because if this is the only thing that we have in this life, we're not very hopeful. Whatever's going on in your life, God, is, if you're saved, you are begotten again, born again into a living hope. And that's what we found out in First Peter. We also found that there's an inheritance waiting for us that is precious, it's incorruptible, and it's undefiled. It's waiting in heaven. No one can take it away. It was a fun message to preach. Go back and listen to it a few weeks ago. It, it just, we are secure. No matter what happens on this earth, as believers in Christ, what we are waiting for isn't gonna go away. Thank God for that. And as believers, fourth one is we are kept by the power of God. If you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you're kept by his power, not by your good works. You're kept 
by his power, waiting for our inheritance to receive it from him someday. The next one we learned is that we've been redeemed, which is a word we don't often use in in everyday vernacular, which is also a word we don't use every day. Um, We've been redeemed from our former aimless conduct. And that's an interesting, that's what the Bible called it. So as we said, we were redeemed from our former aimless conduct. We lived our life and we just did whatever felt good. Because if it feels good, (laughs) wow, we bought into it, right? If it feels good, do it. We were redeemed from former aimless ways and God gave us a hope in a future and he put us on a a path. The Bible actually says that we're on on a narrow path. Um, and, but thank God, because in that time, if you spent enough time in your former aimless conduct, you started realizing that you did this, and it was empty. Then you tried to do this, and that was empty. And you did this, and that was empty. And the longer you spent out in there, you realized, what am I doing? It's all aimless. It's all empty. God redeemed us, and he gave us a hope and a future. We, we, we talked a lot about it. We already said it once, but we've been born again. That means the old life is dead. That's what baptism is signifying today. When we do it, that you, were, you died to sin, died to your former ways, and you came up in life anew. And the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Old things are passed away. All has become new. We're learning this. We know this. But we stand as Christians. Each day is new. You're born again. Anyone have a struggle this week? Today is a new day. Let that go behind. Receive his forgiveness because we are born again. So, now I'm lost. I'm going to have to start looking at these notes. So, go to the next one. We rejoice. Because of these things, we rejoice. And the, and the word in First Peter says, even though we are grieved by trials, we rejoice. Not because life is easy, but because we have an inheritance that's incorruptible, because we're kept by faith, because we've been born again. Because of these things, we actually should be a people that rejoice. We should be the happiest people on earth, and, and, and which means that on every Sunday, you can tell people, what are you doing today? I'm going to the happiest place on earth. Why is it the happiest place on earth because the happiest people on earth are there and it's not Disneyland it's I'm gathering together with the other parts of the body of Christ we should be the happiest people on earth and believe me I was just at Disneyland and not everyone is happy there (laughs) just went on Thursday for my son's birthday and um, so we rejoice we prepare our minds for action that was a fun one I was going to write it the way the, the New King James we gird up the loins of our mind. Do you remember that one? In other words, it was that we prepare our minds for action. Because of all these things we taught, we learned already, we have to be ready. We have to have our minds ready. We're ready to give an answer for our hope. We, um, we don't do the things that we used to do. We concentrate on God and the, and the word of God so that we're ready and that we're prepared uh, for action. We also conduct ourselves with the fear of God another part of the message go back and listen to that one you know simply this the, the fear of god is an awesome, a respect in his awesomeness it's it's not a cowering in fear because he's going to smite us almighty smiter but because he he is all powerful and all loving and he has the keys of life and death and everything 
and that we serve him. And, and the, the analogy I use is, is electricity. If I give you an extension cord that you can see both ends and the whole thing is in your hand, you're going to have no problem handling that extension cord. But if I give you some Romex with some exposed wires and you don't see where the other side of that wire is, you're going to like probably not even touch it because you respect it. Though you'll go home and you'll turn on all the light switches and the dishwasher and everything else because we love power, but we have a respect for it. Well, God is the same thing. We love God, but we understand he's a powerful God. Also, we obey the truth. Obey is a word that some people try to get rid of. I used to own a wedding chapel. Time and time again, the brides would come in and say, I need to know what you're going to say in the wedding. I said, well, wh- what's wrong? He said, do you say obey? Do I, have to ch- do I have to promise to obey him? And I said, well, I said, I actually don't use that word, but let me tell you why it's in the Bible. I love this part because a lot of more Christians. And I says, before it tells the wife to obey, it tells the husband to love his wife just as Jesus Christ loved the church. Jesus loved the church so much they gave up his life for the church. He died for the church. If your husband loved you so much that he was willing to die, do you think he'd ask you to do anything that was hard to obey? And you know what most of them says? Please put obey in the ceremony as long as he has to love me like that. We obey the truth of God. We obey the truth of the word. There's nothing wrong with obedience. I think the enemy's trying to come in and get rid of things like that. Obey, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. No, because God is never going to have us do something that's not good for us. We love one another deeply. This, we're only in the beginning of chapter 2, and this is what we've learned. We love one another deeply in the body and outside of the body. We learn to love sincerely and deeply. Let me just keep going. I'm going to spend too much time. Then it starts telling us to do things like, so because of these things, we lay aside malice and deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all evil speaking. So it's beginning even, there's some corners changed. He tells us all of these wonderful things that, that we're new creations, that we have inheritance. We have all these things. But because of these things, we don't live the way we used to. And he actually challenges us. So lay aside all of those former th- ways of life. If, you've been, if you're a Christian today and you've been a Christian for uh, some time, maybe you know, six months to a year or longer, then, then there should have already been some changes in your life. You've, you've purposely made some changes. If you're just new in the faith, you're being challenged to make those changes. If you've been walking with the Lord for 20 years, but nobody can tell a difference between before and now, you're doing it wrong. You didn't let God come in and do a work in your life that he wants to do, and maybe you, were, you weren't re- willing to lay aside all these things. What's the next one? Okay, so there was another one. So we learned that Christ is a cornerstone. That was last week's message. And so you can go and listen to that one online. It's so important. And that we as a, as a body, as a church, the people are being built into a spiritual house. Keep going. We are holy and royal priesthood. That's amazing. We're all priests in here. Keep going. We are a chosen generation. Chosen generation. We are a holy nation. We are his own special people. And finally, we are called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Is there any more? Is that it? There's one more. Good. And, and so we're called out of darkness. Into, he actually, church, a lot of churches don't even preach on sin and preach on things like that. They just, because it's not politically correct and they don't want people to leave. You know, you know listen, God doesn't want us to sin. He saved us from sin. He, died, he sent Jesus to die for us. It's a process. 
God does the work, the Holy Spirit does the work in convicting us inside because of all these things. And he says, you are my people, you're a holy nation, and I called you out of darkness. Don't walk back into darkness. He called you out. He called you out. You don't ever wash your dog and you let him outside and he jumps into a pile of something or into the mud and rolls around it like the same day. And you're like, and you yell at him like he understands you. And you says, what are you doing? You just got a bath and now you're rolling in the mud and, you know, how angry. We were called out of darkness, out of the mud and the mire. Don't go rolling it. Why? All of these things, he did all that so that we as his people would proclaim his praise. And it looks like this. God is so good, he called me out of darkness. God is so wonderful, he says that I'm part of a holy nation. I'm a special people. I love God because he gave me an inheritance that's never going away. Everything I just said is a praise about God, and all we have to do is tell people what he's done in and for it. And sometimes it looks like this. I used to struggle. I used to struggle with pornography or maybe had a drinking thing or whatever it is and God set me free and he released me from shame and guilt and and sometimes I still struggle but there's forgiveness and he helps me each new day and we proclaim the praise of God I'm liking first Peter so far let's see if we like chapter 2 starting in verse 13 In, starting in verse 11, we kind of went through 11 last week, all the way over this, to this next section, we're going to be talking about submitting to government, husbands and wives. We're going to talk about slavery, which is really a hot topic right now. So when we get there, it's going to be interesting because we're going to talk about the, what the Bible says about slavery. And we're going to give some, some interesting things. I'm going to really try really hard to avoid anything that sounds political, except that we as people live in a geopolitical system. And, and so everything that we do as Christians should be based upon the word of God. What it is is that we should have a viewpoint of, of life that's biblically based. It's called a biblical Christian worldview. That everything we look at should be rooted, come out of how we understand how God wants us to live. Because our citizenship is first in heaven. It's first in heaven. We're sojourners and pilgrims here no matter what nation. And I, I've really struggled with this over the years. I think I felt that God was a, an American and that Christianity was an American invention and we exported American Christianity to the rest of the world that just didn't know anything and was all mixed up and needed what American Christianity had to offer. Now, I, I honestly don't think I thought that drastically, but when you boil it down, I think there's parts that are true in that. God is not an American. God is not a Republican, nor a Democrat. We're going to go in here, we're going to find out that within the context of political systems and cultural systems that are abhorrent to us, the gospel came to earth and was written about 
to live in times that we would say, well, I don't think those systems are even biblical. So that's kind of interesting. So he reminds us in verse 11 that he, ta- he says, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. Flesh, not necessarily demonic, satanic, but fleshly lusts. Taught in the baptism class this morning that the greatest need for man is to self-rule, to just do it your way. Right? As the song said, I did it my way. If it feels good, do it. It's all about me and how, it, how I feel. And so really, at, at the, what, what did Adam and Eve, what did the, uh, the snake, the serpent, te- tempt them with? Well, doesn't it look good? It's good for food. Why don't, it's going to make you wise. You should have some. Okay? So fleshly lusts sometimes are, in, are personal inside desires just that satisfy my pride. Satisfy something inside of me. So we want to get rid of those things. And those things war against the soul. Having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles or other, other people, that when they speak against you as evildoers, as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they have, uh, observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. I want to tell a little bit about this real quick. Um, I may have to do two parts. Evildoers. The Christians in this day actually were accused of a number of crazy things. Um, They were accused of being cannibals. A lot of the Christians were accused of being cannibals during this time. And and the, the outside world thought that they were cannibals because they heard about this thing that they do when they gathered together. They got some stuff and they ate the body of... thought they were cannibals. Other things is that they use the term brother and sister a lot, as we read in the, in the Bible. Everyone was a brother and sister, and some of those brothers and sisters went home and did stuff together. They were incestuous. They were incestuous cannibals. I am not kidding. These were some of the, the accusations that the world had against the Christians of the early days. So they were actually called evildoers. It wasn't just that they were weird and that they didn't want to run into sin. They actually thought that they were sinful people doing these things. Interesting. Interesting. So that's why he says, though they may accuse you or speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they observe, talked about that last week, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now verse 13. All that to catch up. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king is supreme or to governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. This is the will of God that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance, cannibalism, of foolish men. And it says, and it goes on. It says, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bond servants of God, honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. I'm going to stop. Wow. We'll go on to the next next parts over the next few weeks. 
this section is, is really difficult. So this is why I said we've got to pray against the enemy to come in and try to get you off track. Submit to every ordinance among men. Some people would say that's every government, and it talks about whether it's to the king or whether it's just submit to them. And immediately, rather than hear the word, here's what the enemy wants us to do. We start going, what about Nazi Germany? We're supposed to do what they said. They said to go kill everyone. No, no, no. Okay, let's back the train up a little bit. Let's just talk about submitting the this was written in the early 60s 60 80 before Nero um, started lighting the Christians on fire though they were already being persecuted before the destruction of the temple in 70 AD there was a lot of persecution already and and Peter's still writing submit to the government okay so what does that look like the word submit in the Greek it's it's I mean it really is just like it sounds it's to put yourself under a rule or under authority, um, and but it's you do it. You submit to it. You put yourself under that authority, and here's why: not because the authority is right, not because they always have our best interest in mind. The challenging message. But there are rules in the land, and, and what this was saying is that we submit to the, to the, to the rules of the land. And I'll, and I'll put this quick pause, parentheses in here. Until those rules contradict God's rules. Okay? Until those rules contradict God's rules. Okay? Now, does God say you have to walk into the middle of a grocery store and pray out loud? No. So you may have that right taken away. If God calls you to do that, you, you know, I don't know if that, you need to find out whether God would call you to do that. But he does call us to pray. If they tell you not to pray at home, you disobey. Because the Bible says to pray. Pray always. It doesn't say you have to do it out loud in the middle of aisle four. But you can do it quietly in aisle four because you can pray it at all times. See, the things, see, sometimes we think the, the government's coming in and we get all, all freaked out because they're taking away our rights. So, well, we submit until it doesn't line up with the word of God. So we've got a lot of thinking and praying to do. God is not concerned if somebody changes from a Republican to a Democrat, a Democrat to a Republican, a Republican to an Independent <laughs> God doesn't really care what political party you're with. He wants us to live for him, first and foremost. Our political association and our governmental ideas need to be submitted first under, under God because he's called us to be a light. And I tell you, this is a challenging word because right now we're very... other viewpoints and we're just we're becoming angry people and, and the Bible teaches us that we're, we're not supposed to be this way we're supposed to love the brotherhood deeply we're supposed to stand for righteousness not for politicalness we submit to the government now again when we find that the government is telling us to do things that aren't that are contrary to the word of God I think that that's when we stop submitting to those things 
um, because if the word says that we're supposed to do something and the government is saying we're supposed to do something else, we don't agree. If the government says we've now made um, the national religion, you know, whatever it is, Islam or something else, we don't submit to that. Why? Because there is no other God. Okay. Do you, so I want to make myself clear. This is what this Bible is saying. And we do it for the Lord's sake. It's not, it's not because I want to. You know, I don't like to pay taxes. I, mean, I, I, I don't enjoy doing a number of things. That I don't, and I, I'm struggling with this one. I don't like driving the speed limit all the time. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm being meddled with with this one. I, you know, I was reading a lot and I was listening to some other messages and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, I'm, so, so I'm not, but we submit to the authorities. It, it talks about that we don't want to be known for getting in trouble for doing bad things. But it's okay to be known for getting in trouble for doing the right things. Okay? I want to be really careful not to go into too many individual things because then it becomes just my opinion. For instance, I could talk about whether it's right to protest. But I'm not going to find a great backing for sure in the Word of God, and I'm just going to convince you of maybe an opinion I have. But if you're ever feeling like you're supposed to go out and protest, before you go, spend time in the Word and say, can I? Should I? And how should I? And, if you, and be led. Be led by the Word of God, not by your feelings. Well, I think that that's wrong. Okay, that's fine. I'm not saying that it's not wrong, and I'm not saying you can't do that. But I'm saying, will, will you submit yourself to God and to his word first? And I tell you, I'm standing in front of you as one who is humbled and challenged because I want to do, I have all these ideas of what I think is right. Well, the, the, the United States of America says that we have the right to peacefully assemble. You're right. Other countries don't give that right. So which one is more biblical? <laughs> Actually, we're supposed to submit to whatever one we're living under. <sighs> this is challenging. But it's not if we get the... I just keep saying the same thing. The cart behind the horse. The Word of God is our standard for living. As we become people of the Word of God, this will govern what we do and how we do it. Now, I'm going to go back. I didn't say you shouldn't protest. I, I'm going to try very carefully to keep my opinions on anything like that to myself. What I want us to become is people who are confident in all of our actions that they're biblical. Wouldn't that be amazing? We're just, we're just solid. I can do this. God doesn't want me to do this. And the Bible says if you do something that's not out of faith... It's sin. We need, to, we need to be a people who know the word of God and know God himself so that when we do things, we're confident saying, you know, I'm okay to do this. And that God, or, you know, God wouldn't want me to be a part of that. Because for the Lord's sake, it all comes down to that. God has called us to proclaim his praise, to be a light in the darkness so that people can be saved. 
that's the most important thing on this world is that people are saved. I'm challenged myself. We submit to kings, to governors. Now, here's a here's like a parenthesis. There's a, there is some some debate within Bible scholars as to how far you submit and what you do. And, and some would say you submit to them as long as they are sending people to punish evildoers and praise those who do good. Once they stop punishing evildoers and praising good and they start punishing good and praising evil, you stop obeying. That's one way to look at it. But let's be convinced of what the word has us to do. And we're really quiet today, and that's okay. Here's a quiet message. Where's the quiet message? Let's go a little bit further. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I hate to hear people say, Christians are all bigots or Christians are haters or Christians are not tolerant or Christians they come up with these statements especially when it's based upon a group of Christians doing something that causes people to actually think that there is a, 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 a that what Baptist group is that um, yeah the crazy ones By doing good, they may silence. They're not doing good. They are full of anger and hatred. That's not good. That's not, that's not. We're supposed to live as Christians that, that our good works, our good deeds are observed by others and that people come up and say, you know, all Christians are hypocrites. But then they look at you and go, well, except you. You know, all Christians are bigots. Well, except, yeah, I, oh yeah, and Joe's not, and Fred, and... And they start coming up with names of people because they've observed their good works and pretty soon you can say, so is it safe to assume that all Christians aren't bigots? Oh man, maybe. And we can turn the tide because people see our good works and that we're not silly. Silly is a, a nice word to say it. I'm tempted, as some of you are, to let people have a piece of my mind on Facebook when they're acting really silly. So, so, you know, what you can do is just find a good emoji for that one. You read it, you're so proud of it. Then go highlight it all and hit delete. Is my opinion about the silliness of what's happening more important than my witness for Christ. (sighs) Am I meddling a little bit with any of you? I hope so. Because I'm meddling with me and I don't like being meddled with alone. (laughs) Is my freedom and my rights as an American more important than my witness for Christ? Aren't they the same thing? Sometimes and sometimes no. How will we live? God has called us. This is not our kingdom. That's our kingdom. 
Jesus, what did he do? Peter was accused of not paying attention. Does your master pay taxes? So Jesus says, listen, do the sons of the kingdom get, get, do they pay taxes by the king or does he collect it from others? And they says, well, from others. He says, right. I'm a son of the kingdom. I don't have to pay taxes. But then Jesus says, but go down, catch a fish, and pull out the temple tax and pay it. Why? So he couldn't be accused. He lived within the society, submitting to the rules of the society, knowing that his kingdom was not of this world. We're the same. We live in this kingdom. That's our home, but we conduct ourselves in fear, submitting ourselves, not being known for being weirdos, crazy people, but being known for lovers of God, righteous, helpful, and good. We're free men, but we don't use our liberty as a cloak for vice. That's a whole message all in itself. We're free, but we don't use our freedom as a cloak for vice. We are bond servants of God. What did I say at the beginning? The greatest sin of man, the greatest problem with man is that we want to do it our own way. We have that pride. I'm going to do it. Everyone wants to think of themselves as a servant until they're treated like one. Everyone wants to think of themselves as a servant until they're treated like one. If after church today, one of you just gets this wonderful idea to come and stack the chairs and vacuum, but on your way in, I say, you know what? I really appreciate you wanting to serve. I need you to go clean the toilet because somebody left something in there that's really not pleasant and it needs to get done. Some of you, including, this is, I struggle with this one. <laughs> I'm going to serve, but I'm going to do the chairs. <laughs> and I'm a good servant. See, we're bond servants of, of God. A bond servant was when a slave, which they had slavery in the Bible, wasn't the kind of slavery we saw in this nation in the, in the 16, 17, 1800s. Often it was because they couldn't pay their own bills and they would actually become a, a slave and the, the slave owner was supposed to take care of all their needs. They were also supposed to release them every seven years. But there was, and that was in, that was in Israel. The Romans had over 600,000 slaves and they weren't treated as well. Slaves did everything. Roman, Roman aristocracy did nothing. The slaves did everything. But in, in, the, in the Bible slavery, you could, when you were getting released after your seven years, if you liked your master, you said, listen, you know what? You've treated me pretty good. I like, I like this job out there. I don't know if I'm going to like it as much. I'm going to be your slave for life. It's called a bond servant, but it was a slave for life. They would say, great, and they would take his earlobe and they'd put an all through it on the post of the door so you would know that you were, he was not a free man. He was a slave. He was choosing to do whatever the master wanted him to do. That meddles with most of us. We want to serve God on our terms. We want to be a servant on our terms. But he says, as free men not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as a bondservant of God, that means I'm going to willingly serve you. Now tell me to do whatever you want, and I'll do it.
And then he says, honor all people. Honor has left the building, not our building. You know that old thing, Elvis has left the building? Honor has left this society in so many ways. You go to the store and you used to get honored. Wonderful to see you. How can I help you? You almost felt honored just, just going anywhere. Honor is gone, but it's not supposed to be. The Bible says honor all people. Love the brotherhood. We've talked about love as a tough order. We need to love the brotherhood. Fear God. And just in case you didn't get it right, the king, the president, is part of all people. So I'm going to tell you specifically, honor the king. I'm going to confess again. I didn't like Slick Willie. And now I'm convicted because I didn't honor him. I don't have to like him, but I have to honor him. President Obama. is not honoring. I'm, I'm going to invite you to challenge me. When I step off of that and you hear me making derogatory comments, not, my, not an opinion, I can say I don't like what he's doing. I disagree. That's, that's not, uh, that, that's okay. But when I begin to defame and degrade people and politicians, that's not honor. And just this week, specifically yesterday, God convicted me of this. I don't honor the king. There's a lot of other things I don't do, believe me. We honor the king. We honor everyone. We love the brotherhood. We do good. Our first priority is our citizenship in heaven. It's Jesus. We get to know what he wants us through the word. We ask for help from the Holy Spirit to do it because we can't do it on our own. And the people around us will see our good deeds, our sincere love for the brothers, and they will glorify God with us. Let's pray. God, I'm sorry that as a child of God, I've, I've brought possible disgrace to you as our God and to Christianity because I've defamed and I haven't done these things. Forgive me. To be funny, to make a joke, I've stepped over the line and haven't honored. God, forgive me in those times that I haven't obeyed and submitted myself to the authority that you put above me. God, this is a tough chapter. I could make all the excuses and I could do it really well and probably convince other people that we have a biblical right to do these things. And that would be wrong. God, I pray that each and every one of us in here would be committed to you and a follower of you in this area too, that we would submit ourselves first to you, to your word, and as your word says, to submit to others, we would do that as well. 
God, that we as a body of believers, everyone who hears my voice, whether it's here, whether it's on a Facebook Live, whether it's out in cyberspace somewhere, God, they're hearing this message that we would become a body of believers that lived according to your word, that did good, loved the brother, honored people. And people would see our good deeds and not be able to accuse us of evil doing when they would honor you and that they then would be saved as well. God, thank you for the challenge. Thank you for leading me in the path of righteousness. God, we commit ourselves afresh to you. God, and um, I pray that as we would go in fellowship today, that we would love one another deeply and and, and challenge that we'd care for one another and pray for one another, even over our hamburgers and hot dogs. That you'd bless the baptism and everything we're going to go experience today. We thank you for your love and all of your gifts to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.